Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is National Signing Day, but not really National Signing Day. Since they instituted the early signing period four years ago, this is not the national holiday it once was. This is where a few prospects who are very highly rated, who just wanted to wait and sign, sign. And then some stragglers for for various other reasons did not sign in December. They signed too, but it's not nearly the Christmas day every coach comes in and, and talks about how they filled all their needs, and then we find out over the next three to four years that most of them did not. Uh, we don't have that anymore. So we're going to take a little bit different direction on this National Signing Day. We're going to go out of college and toward the NFL. We're going to have our post-Senior Bowl breakdown with the director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy. Really interesting conversation There were some really good players in the Senior Bowl this year, and in fact, this year could be very different for these players, and playing in the Senior Bowl could have been a huge advantage because there's no combine. We don't know what the pro days are going to look like, so pretty big deal for these guys who are playing, and Jim Nagy will explain to you why it's just as important for the quarterback of the national champions as it is for the D3 guy who needs to prove he can play with these dudes. Here's me and Jim Nagy. So how's everything going? It's uh, it's great, man. I love this. is always a great week to be done. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> to say this be, is this is th- this is the victory lap, right? Yeah, it's yeah, you know, it's um, you know, it's just a, it's just a big relief every year. I mean, you put so much into it, and then uh, you know, you're you just crash. I mean, you don't sleep a lot leading up to it, especially this year, man. The last couple of months have been pretty stressful with uh, you know, all the COVID stuff and trying to stay fluid with that and um all the different, you know, all the protocols and different ways we had to switch up the event just to make it happen. And, you know, as much as you feel confident in your plan, um, you just never know, you know, like the, the, the biggest fear was having all these guys show up to mobile NFL and players and have some, some sort of outbreak or whatever, you know, so to have over 3,600 tests and only one positive, that was a huge freaking win, obviously. Um, and then move, the move to the new stadium added a lot of different layers of uh, logistical um, challenges that we wouldn't have had in a normal year, too. So um, it's just <laughs> very grateful that it happened and uh, and very relieved. So the, uh, let me make sure I got this right, because I read this in, in a tweet you sent out right before the game. One positive yeah. test out of 3,635? Yes. Wow. Yeah. We had we had three false positives. We had two guys miss uh, a day of practice because we were quarantining them, and then then they um, subsequent tests came back negative. But yeah, well, only one player, and no one from the NFL. That's amazing. That is that is really amazing. That, I mean, because that's that was the thing. And now when you look at there, there's no combine, and it's going to be a very different pre-draft process. How important was it for these guys who were there to get in front of? scouts and, and NFL personnel. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I always believe in the value of the game or I wouldn't be working here. Right. Um, so I'm always a huge believer in the value of it, but we told the guys at orientation, uh, myself and, and coach Flores and coach, uh, rule that, Hey guys, this is, you guys got a huge advantage right now. The rest of the process is, is really up in the air. You know, obviously no combine, and uh, we don't know what pro days are going to look like. I mean, they're they're going to they're, they're have them, um, but I still don't think there's going to be any face to face interaction. I think it's going to be the coaching staffs from the schools putting on the drills, and I think they'll uh, you know usher the NFL guys into either. I think a stadium makes the most sense, but uh, 
you know, to get the 40 yard dash times to watch the workouts and then they'll probably be sent on their way. Um, so it's just human nature. You know, you, everyone I think wants to surround themselves with people they're familiar with and have a comfort level with. That's just how we're all wired. Right. So, um, for these 136 players, um, to spend a week with these guys, um, and not just, you know, it's not just scouts, it's not just coaches. It's the guys that are going to be making the decisions in April. That's the key thing is, uh, you know, you can have pro days, but there's not going to be GMs crisscrossing the country to like stop on cam- all these campuses. Yeah. So they were, we had them all captured here in this week. So those guys, I think the players really understood that. Um, and, uh, I do, I think there was a, a huge added benefit this year. We'll be right back after these words. So who was your favorite player and why was it Quinn Miners from, from Wisconsin Whitewater? (laughs) (laughs) No, um, Quinn's going to go down as, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in April and with his NFL career, but he could go down as being one of our, our best stories. Um, yeah, quite honestly, you know, his 2019 tape at Whitewater was was not good enough to get him in the game. And and he didn't um, play in 2020 because Division Three didn't play yet. He, he did not. Um, so, you know, in my three years, the only other D3 guy we've had was Ben Barch last year from mm-hmm. St. John's in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, Ben went on, had a great week here. He, he was a really early pick in the fourth round of Jacksonville and started games for the Jags this year, which is, which is incredible. Um, but Miner's tape, in my opinion, was, was significantly less than Barch's tape. Right. Um, so, and, and again, I'm open with you about it cause I've talked to Quinn about it. <laughs> um, you know, he, he has, uh, he worked with the, you know, the season was canceled. He worked with, uh, the Watt brothers in Madison, Wisconsin last summer, you know, TJ and JJ and those guys never heard of him. And, uh, really really started to uh, reshape his body, you know, like he was, he was obviously a big boy at the D three level and he just kind of bullied people, but uh, you know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't the most fit looking guy in the world. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that, but no, he reshaped his body. And then he was training down in Dallas with a guy named Duke Manaweather who, who trains offensive line o- guys. O-line mastermind. And, uh, Duke, yeah, there you go. So, you know, but uh, so Duke was great, you know, reaching out to him and, and Quinn had signed with an agent who, uh, because he wasn't going to play a season so he could sign with an agent. And, you know, they just kept sending me videos over the course of the fall of him, like dunking, you know, flat foot dunking under a basketball hoop at 320 pounds, you know, doing different workouts. And really, um, you know, as we went through the fall, he was working in Dallas with, with, uh, Rayshon Slater, the tackle from Northwestern. So, you know, and Rayshon's probably going to go somewhere in the first round, I would think. And to see those two guys drill right after each other and, (laughs) and see how good Quinn looked in comparison. I was like, man, this kid's really coming along. So it was a little bit of a roll of the dice. Cause I really like to focus our, our evaluation and my decision-making process off the tape. Um, but, you know, just kind of said, all right, let's do this thing. And uh, what's, what's really incredible that I don't think a lot of people understand is Quinn had never snapped a football in a live setting. Now he what? was down there with Duke. No. <laughs> so he was, he was working on it with Duke, but it's one thing to be out in shorts and, you know, shorts and a t-shirt snapping the ball on an empty, on an empty field. It's a whole nother thing to be lined up in full pads going against guys like Boogie Basham from Wake Forest and, um, you know, Levi on from Washington or, you know, could be first round pick yeah, and crazy in, in blocking them. So, I mean, that's, that's a hard skill to snap a ball and then get that snap hand back up in place 
to get somebody blocked. And he, he did it at a, I mean, it was really, it was really incredible. And then he gets voted offensive lineman of the week, um, you know, by, by his, by the defensive line on his team. So we, you know, we did that last year for the first time was had the players vote. I think to me, if I was a player, that'd be a lot more meaningful. Oh, absolutely. Than, you know, some senior bowl director naming them player of the week. Right. Um, so it was, uh, so, so the fact that his peers recognized him for having such a great week was great. You know, he couldn't play in the game cause he broke his, he broke his, uh, he broke his hand, but he, but he begged you to play, right? Like he breaks his hand and he's like, no, I'm still playing. And you guys have to be like, no, 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 I'm, no, you're not. He, he begged coach Flores to play. I mean, that was really coach Flores decision. The doctor said he could play his agent said he could play. <laughs> um, but coach Flores just didn't want him to get him out there. So, um, yeah, man, he was, uh, he was phenomenal. He was really phenomenal. And, and, uh, I just can't wait to see where he ends up in April and what it looks like, uh, moving forward when he's a pro. I just love the branding opportunities. Cause what, what Ezekiel Elliott was to the six pack. I think Quinn could be <laughs> to the keg. This is a guy who, who likes yeah. to show off his tummy. So I, I, I appreciate so, that no, as we a, were... a man of larger carriage. <laughs> yeah, you would, you would love this, Andy. So, um, we're at the award ceremony the other night, and you might have saw the picture on on Twitter that I posted. Mm -hmm. The first picture he took, Quinn had his jersey down, <laughs> and he caught himself. He's like, "No, no, no! I need another one! I need another one!" And then he yanks his jersey up for the show, brand. Head, so. Very nice yeah. for the brand. I appreciate that. I, I I do. And and I mean, you've had that in in your game. Ben Bart, you mentioned from last year. Ali Marpet was at Hobart, which is a Division two school, and and obviously he's been a very good NFL player. No, they're D3 oh, as they well. they are D3. That's Hobart's right. D3. Uh, former Florida Athletic Director Jeremy Foley, proud Hobart grad, will yell at me for this. So just just, <laughs> just remember that. But yeah, I mean, so you've, you've had those guys before, but I mean, just the leap in competitions. Because you mentioned Boogie Basham. Boogie Basham is a, a 285-pound guy who can kind of play every position on the D-line. Like, that's a lot to have to block when you've been blocking in D3. No, there's no question. And what's really been cool. So like we had Ben in the game last year and he was actually represented by the same guy as, as, as Marpet. So like they, they forged this, this bond, you know, as D three guys going to the senior bowl and then talking to Quinn a couple of weeks ago, like the week before the game, he's just driving in his car and he gets a call from Ben Barch out of the blue. Like I, he goes, I still don't know how Ben got my number, <laughs> but uh, you know, Ben was going out to Idaho to, to hang out, you know, for a little bit in the off season or something like that. And he just walked him through his senior bowl experience on like what to expect, what your mindset needs to be. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a cool D three brotherhood developing between all those guys. And that it is a huge jump. I mean, it is a huge, huge jump. So just like last year, Ben shows up the first day and he's taking one-on-one -on -one reps against Javon Kinlaw. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And now, and now, and now Quinn had to do it this year with, with those guys. So, um, no, they're, they're a cool group of guys and they're, they're wired. They have to be wired the right way. You know, this, this stage, I've seen that more so from my, my role now than when I was a scout, you know, the first year I, we brought some small school guys, uh, guys in and they were very wide eyed. Um, they got down here and the stage was a little too big. You could tell it was getting to them. So the last couple of years, I've really been mindful of that. And I've had to reach out to the schools and talk to the people and like, and just ask them that question, you know, how is this guy going to respond? Yeah. And, uh, I don't want to bring it. I don't want to bring anyone down here that, that that's going to hurt them. Like if they're not ready for this, they're not ready. Let them get to the NFL and, you know, go through our year on the practice squad where they have to work through that stuff. I don't want to have them do that in mobile. And 
and, and, and like Quinn was, man, he was, he was ready to compete. It was, it was fun to watch. Let, let's go from one end of the spectrum, the division three offensive lineman to the quarterback of the national championship team who played with a bunch of future first rounders and maybe one himself, Mac Jones. Now this is a guy who maybe he didn't need to go to the senior bowl, but maybe he did. And I know you guys are always encouraging these guys. Hey, come out and compete. Show, show these guys what you want. I, I think about Justin Herbert last year, who was a guy I would have thought, okay, he doesn't need to go to the senior bowl. He's going to be a first round draft pick, but I, I do feel like that helped him. And, and, and when you watch, when you saw him play in the NFL this year, you saw how much that willingness to compete matters. Uh, but for Mac Jones, what did, what did this week do for him? Yeah. And just going back on, on, on that topic, Andy, um, that's where I've tried really tried to change the mindset and the narrative around the senior bowl. I think it's been the longstanding, um, philosophy that if you're going to be a first rounder, why go to me, our game makes more sense for those guys than the middle round guys that play their way up a couple rounds. Like Terry McLaurin, the great receiver for, for the Washington football team came here a couple years ago, fifth or sixth round pick for most teams. Really. I mean, the reason I invited him was his special teams tape. He was a hell of a gunner that that's where you saw the speed. There weren't enough balls to go around in Columbus for everybody. He comes down here. Nobody can cover him. And he goes in the third round. Now, in hindsight, he should have went in the first. Right, exactly. Um, Washington got a steal. But for for Terry to go from the fifth or sixth up to the third, he made a lot of money. Um, But when you talk about guys where the money's at in that first round, you talk about like two years ago, Daniel Jones was probably somewhere in the mid to late first. And he goes all the way up to six. I mean, that's like the equivalent of like where he went, where Haskins went. It's generational money. It was $12 million. Wow. So to me, for, for all these guys, you look at, you look at last year, you know, Javon Kinlaw goes 14 or 15 overall to San Francisco, Raekwon Davis and our board, those two cards were touching each other. Like there wasn't that big of a difference. Well, Raekwon had accepted his invite. Um, you know, he bailed the, the day of the, the morning of the game yep. and he goes in the fifties, he goes in the fifties. Um, wow. and, and, and now you see his rookie year. He had a great rookie year. He's a great player. Um, but I really think he would have benefited. So I'm trying to change that mindset just because you're a first rounder. If you go from 26 to 22 or 18 to 14 or 11 to six, I mean, there's so much money, but, but no back on Mac. Yeah. The quarterback thing is, is to me an easy sell right now. We've had five top 10 quarterbacks in the last four years. You got a guy like Jordan love is another one, um, another first rounder. So in a year where Carson Wentz is another one too. Yeah, Carson went from, yeah, he's one of the top 10 guys. He went from where Mac is right now, like late one, early two, all the way up to the number two overall pick. So, um, you know, you look at this year's draft class, you got Trey Lance from North Dakota State, Justin Fields, Ohio State, Zach Wilson, BYU. None of those guys have the opportunity to come to Mobile. I told Mac that, like, none of you guys are probably catching Trevor Lawrence, um, but you can leapfrog one of those guys or two of those guys or all of them um, by coming here and, and showing yourself and, um, and he understood that and Max is a really competitive guy and he, you know, he came here with every intention of playing the game and he unfortunately rolled his ankle on Thursday, but he had three really good days of practice. I think maybe playing in the national championship game so late helped him. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no rust involved. Like he came out of the shoots on Tuesday, um, just really making quick decisions, getting the ball out quick, really accurate, kind of what Mac is. Um, so no, he, he really had a great week. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. 
I'm curious about another position because you guys had Demetric Felton, and, and he can kind of be he can be a running back, he can be a receiver, he can be both. Uh, how much is it? Do you guys try to work with what what they'll be in the NFL, or try to figure out maybe what they can be in the NFL with those coaching staffs? Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the the fun parts of the job for me, Andy, because then you know that's scouting, right? I mean, you see a player and you see you, you try to envision where he fits best. So going back to last year's game, Antonio Gibson um, from from Memphis, um, you know he was he was essentially a, a wide receiver there at Memphis, and he got a, a handful of carries in the backfield, but. I really thought that Antonio would have been an average NFL receiver, but you know, when you see him, you see him after the catch and how strong he was with the ball in his hands. Um, and just with his speed, size and speed, I'm like, we got to bring this guy to mobile, let him do it for an entire week and let the NFL see him do that. Um, he probably would have been a sixth round wideout, And again, now he's a, a third round running back and had an unbelievable rookie year. Um, and the same thing, this, that Felton was kind of that guy this year that, uh, you know, running backs are, are, you know, easy to find later in the mid rounds, whereas Dimitri's so versatile, you know, I, I, he played like 90% of his snaps or something like that in the backfield this year. So I just want to bring him here, let him run some rots in the slot, slot, show what he can do. And, and, and again, now he was voted um, wide receiver of the week for, for that national team by the, by the corners on that team. So had a phenomenal week. He's going to be an awesome, like just offensive weapon for somebody um, and it's great that you like over the past two years with Antonio and, and now Dimitric that they took full advantage of, you know, a, a kind of a bigger sample size opportunity at, at different positions. I feel like if I was coming out of a, a good career as a back and I hadn't caught many passes out of the backfield, if I went to the senior role, I'd be begging you to put me at receiver or or do something in a way that allowed me to show how well I can catch the ball. Because it feels like if you're not, the the perfect you know spe- Derrick Henry specimen running back, and you're not going to be a first round guy. But if you can be a Clyde edwards Hilaire who who is so dangerous catching the ball out of the backfield, it, it it feels like that's what NFL teams want now anyway. No question. I mean, they're looking for three down guys. Um, you know, you're in sub the majority of the time anyway. Yeah. And so the the day the days of the first and second down running back are really a thing of the past. Um, you know, even you brought up Derek, even, I mean, Derek's pretty good in the pass game now too. So yeah. no, they, they need to be, they need to, they need to be able to do that. And in certain schools showcase those guys better and utilize those guys better than others. But it's just like the tight end position as well. Um, you look across college football um, as a whole, they do not do a good job of, of focusing on that position. And uh, like in this year's game, Trey McKitty from Georgia was a right. perfect example of that. He's a guy that, you know, grad transferred from Florida State to Georgia to get more opportunities. Really, that didn't really materialize him for Georgia. And another guy that was a practice player of the week. I mean, you saw the talent on tape, like when he was throwing the ball. I mean, the guy's a oh, big I, man. I, I, I've been watching get. Trey since he was in high school. So it, I always wondered yeah. when he was going to be able to break out because he had all of the skill set that you need. It just he never really got the opportunity in the offenses he was in. No, no question. So no, he, he's got all the physical stuff. He looks like a million bucks. He's got 11 inch hands. He, he basically swallows the football. I think he had four or five one handed catches this week, which was ridiculous. Um, and I told him like, Trey, you probably had more balls thrown at you this week than you had in four years in college. So you, uh, <laughs> you definitely helped yourself. So no, that's, that's, uh, the past game stuff in our game, um, and all the stuff in space, you know, linebackers playing in space and having to do things in coverage. Uh, 
um, is big for all these guys. So before I let you go, because I, I know you have this list running in your head at all times, who are some guys we need to know, maybe in the smaller schools, that we may see in your game in, in 2022? Oh, I haven't got quite that far in about three weeks. We're getting, we're getting started on 2022. This is I rely on I you for my this. cheat we, sheets. We, you, I'll get plenty of that out to you. Um, but no, but I, we were a little bit of a head start right now on next year because we had seven or eight players that had accepted invites um, whose coaches talked them into coming back for another year which a couple of these guys were surprising because they would have been like day two picks. Wow. I mean, we had, we had one guy that would have been a top 50 pick and he went back to school. So, um, so we got a head start. We, we, we've got, we've got, uh, we've got about 10% of our roster already done for next year. So oh we're, uh, we're a step ahead. Well, so as we go toward the draft, who do you think will, will wind up being the most glad that they went to the senior bowl this year? I hope all of them, honestly. And I know that's not the answer you're looking for. I hope all these guys are really, you know, had a great experience. And again, I really, I really work hard at making a personal connection with these guys while they're here during the week. And, uh, you know, I've spoken to all of them before they left Mobile. And, uh, but no, I think some guys like D. Eskridge from Western Michigan, the wide receiver, you know, got hurt at the end of the second practice. But for two days, he was, I mean, nobody could cover him in one on ones. He had a, he had a great week. Dylan Radens from uh, the tackle from North Dakota State. Oh yeah, Trey Lance's left tackle. Player yep. week. Yeah, the dude, the dude, the dude was unbelievable. Um, David Moore, our, a, a guard from Grambling, you know, very similar to Quinn Miners, had never snapped a ball in his life in a live setting. Came down here and did it. Um, was voted his team's offensive lineman of the week. Uh, so you can just, you know, you can work Quincy Roche, an edge player oh, yeah, from Miami. From Miami. Um, had a great uh, week rushing the quarterback, really stood out. Richie Grant came into the game as, as my favorite safety in this class, and uh, I'm glad he lived up to that. I told, I saw him after the game on Saturday. Um, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you made me look smart because uh, I thought he was a heck of a player. He had a great week. Um, so, you know, and I could just go on and on. So many, so many guys had a great week, but uh, hopefully they all left here feeling like they had a good experience. Well, Jim, I know you got to get to work on on the next one, but try to try to take a few days off, enjoy enjoy it a little <laughs> bit, and and then get going on on 2022. And hopefully, you won't need to worry about thousands and thousands of COVID tests <laughs> next time around. Hopefully not, and hopefully not. No, I appreciate you having me on. Um, love sitting and talking football with you. So, so thank you. Thank you so much, Jim. Appreciate it. 